Well, it is almost the weekend, and that means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gommerson. Well, it is January, and it is the end of January, believe it or not, Adam. Already. And it is also the fifth week in January. And one of the things I wanted to try this year on the Speaking For Him podcast and it is it will be in flux much like the round table is if we have topics if we have content to bring you in this format we will continue to do so so please give us feedback with the contact information contact information at the end of the show that being said this is our first free form friday and what that means is i have just compiled some interesting information which i have found on the internet and also based on what people have expressed to me that they want to hear. And Adam may throw some things in here too on one of these Freeform Fridays and maybe even today. But what we're going to do first is uh, Adam has a hymn story for us. Okay. This is on the hymn, He Touched Me. And uh, it starts off by saying, this is arguably Bill Gaither's most famous song he recalled it to CCM Magazine presents 100 Greatest Songs in Christian Music, and that was my 54th song. This is Bill kind of talking here with his own commentary. He said, I started writing in 1960 and had written a few that were strong songs, but nothing had made an impact on a, nation, a national level yet, and that changed with He Touched Me. Bill explained in the same interview that he wrote the song during a time when he was accompanying an old friend of his, Dr. Dale Oldham, on some evangelistic crusades, and he recalled... He was a very eloquent speaker. One night after one of those meetings, Dr. Oldham said to me, Bill, the word touch is a very popular word. It comes up so often in the New Testament stories about Jesus' teaching and, and his touching of, of people's eyes and healing them or touching people's lives and changing them. It's a special spiritual word, and he ought to write a song that praises his touch. So Bill said, so I did. So Doug Oldman Dr. Oldman's son was the first to record the song back in 1964, just over 50 years ago, and later in the year, Bill's own group recorded it too. Bill recalled, Doug sang it around in church circles, but I think it really started to get popular as people would take it back to their own congregations and sing it as a chorus. It's funny because you write 53 songs, and then you write one little baby, and even though it comes out of the womb the same way they all did, this baby just all of a sudden goes boom. And he said many other artists have recorded the song, including most famously Elvis, the uh, rock king himself, I suppose you could call him, even did this song. And he made the uh, made it the title track of his 1972 Grammy-winning gospel album. The king covered it after hearing an arrangement by his backing group, the Imperials. So interesting there to see how that song kind of came along and then even into really secular music as Elvis Presley covered it himself many years ago. That That is, and I really like this song, and I didn't prepare the um, link to post it in this show, but I think what I'll do is I will hunt that up on YouTube, maybe even the Elvis version if I can find it, and I will post it as a link to the blog. So you'll want to make sure that you uh, look for the blog post for our first Freeform Friday episode, and... I don't usually do this, but I'm going to tell you it is episode 121. So there you go. Find one episode 121 on the blog, and you will find information, including, Lord willing, the YouTube link to this song. He touched me. 
It's a great song, one that I have sang uh, several times in in uh, my speaking engagements um, because it really resonates with me and how God did indeed touch my life. All right, well, next we have um, something very interesting. My brother Bartholomew, uh, we had him on talking about his business, Bread for Life. He's in the process of retooling and rebranding his business and trying to figure out exactly where he wants to go next. He has changed his website to The Whole Chef, and we have asked him, I have asked him, to start a regular segment on the Speaking for Him podcast where he gives us some food and nutrition tips. Um, He wants to help us get somewhere between eating to live and living to eat. So with that being said, let's let BJ, my brother Bartholomew, give us our first foodie tip for Freeform Friday. The Biblical Perspective of Food Food has always been an integral part of our lives. But as we have become more prosperous as a nation, we have moved away from the importance that food has in our everyday lives. We have become disconnected from our food and our food choices have become increasingly made by someone else in a far off distant place and we have no idea what is in the food and so we have the local food movement, the whole food movement um, just the idea of getting back to to nature and getting back to um, a more um, holistic way of living and a holistic way of looking at our food choices. And unfortunately, a lot of those, the people that are leading these movements are secularists, and um, they really don't don't think about the fact that God created food that way. And uh, I believe God created food to be a, a, a very substantial part of our lives. Um, you can see that in the Bible, that there is... Um, throughout the Bible, talking about food and talking about um, growing food, you know, they definitely were an agrarian society, um, and we've largely moved away from that, um, and I think to our detriment. But I just wanted to give you some things to think about. Um, I know that the Bible does not specifically say. Um, doesn't give specific commands um, except for the law, which is speaking to Israel. Other than that, there isn't a lot about what we should and should not eat. Um, but there is some guide, guidelines. If you look closely, you can you can see that um, the food, you know, just like anything else, it can become um, become unbalanced. You know, we can we can indulge in it too much or we can um, deprive ourselves of it too much. And so um, maybe I can speak about that on some future episodes. But right now, I want to talk to you about the what is the biblical perspective of food. And the first thing we notice is that food was given by God and it was given as... Um, for nutrition, uh, we see that in um, Genesis one twenty nine, 
Um, this is that God gave to man um, the herbs and the herbs bearing seeds and the the fruit that bears seeds itself. Um, and then we see in, in um, then in Genesis nine, we are God told Noah to eat of the flesh of animals. So we have those two um, things that God told us to eat. And as for our nutrition, we we um, need to eat in order to live, which is the absolute truth. Um, we can't live um, unless it's supernaturally without eating food on a regular basis. The next reason is for pleasure. We are we are supposed to eat for pleasure. Um, you see throughout Scripture. There is times of celebration and feasting. You, for example, the Old Testament um, holidays, the Jewish holidays, where people were um, told to kill animals and eat them and enjoy them, um, as well as Abraham entertaining the the angels that came and visited him. And in the New Testament, you see the the prodigal son and how the the fatted calf was killed and they had a feast and we have the same thing um, at the end of time we're going to have the marriage supper of the lamb so food is is for that purpose and then food is supposed to um give us a picture of god and bring us closer to god um and there's two aspects of this um, as well, the first being that when we eat, we should remember who created the food, who provided the rain and the sunshine, and that all came from God. Another aspect is the metaphor that is used throughout Scripture um, relating to food. Um, just one instance is thinking about uh, manna and how... God gave manna to the Israelites as they were wandering in the wilderness. But then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ said that he was the true bread. He was the bread, and manna was a picture of him. And now he came down from heaven. So when you are making food choices, remember these three aspects, these three purposes of food. First, food is for, must be nutritious for us. And if you should look for nutritious options. Secondly, Food is supposed to bring pleasure to us, and you should not be afraid to enjoy good food. And third, ultimately, it's supposed to bring glory to God and show us a picture of who God is. All right. Well, that is the first uh, foodie fact or foodie minute from uh, my brother Bartholomew of The Whole Chef. For more information, you can find him at thewholechef.com. And this is going to be a monthly feature, Lord willing. So it's going to be on a little more often than just Freeform Friday. But we wanted to launch it on this podcast. And just as with anything else, I think that it will get even better with time. And that if you give him feedback and let him know things that you want to hear about from from the food sphere, I'm sure he will be willing to accommodate that. Um, Just like with other aspects of the show, 
We want this to best serve the listener, so please let us know what you think, either through his contact information on thewholechef.com or through my contact information at the end of the show. All right, I have given Adam a story that I found on the Internet not too long ago. This kind of goes back to the Christmas season, but it's kind of good to look back in these uh, waning weeks of or the waning days of February, January to Christmas as it was a few weeks ago. And so, Adam, why don't you tell us the headline of the story and then tell us a little bit about it? All right, well, the headline of the story here says, Among Dollars and Change, Gift of Emeralds and Diamonds Found in Salvation Army Kettle. And, you know, Andrew, in December, you go to the stores and you have the people outside ringing the bell and they got the red little bucket there that you can put a dollar in or some people put like $50 in pennies and, you know, it seems like people put change in and stuff. Well, there was uh, one bell ringer over there that was working at a store in Doral, Florida, a few weeks back, which is a suburb of Miami. And uh, they, they called the, uh, I guess, the uh, Salvation Army headquarters and said, hey, we have something in here that's not super normal, I guess. It's not a dollar bill. It's not a quarter. Uh, it's a necklace. Somebody put a necklace in our bucket, and it was attached with a note that said, keep up the good work. And as they were going through it, this is the fifth consecutive year they realized that the organization's Miami-Dade chapters received an unusual gift around the holidays. Sometimes it comes as a gold nugget or two diamond rings in the past several years. And the crazy thing is they took this necklace out and they appraised it, and it's a whopping $1,340 value that pretty much someone donated to the Salvation Army. Now, I don't know if they turned that into change or somebody – put it on while they were ringing the bell, and then brought it somewhere to be deposited. I'm not sure, but uh, I guess the, the same woman who puts that note in with the gift always gives a call to them, too, saying, you did a good job, has been doing this for, for the past several years. So she always gives some kind of huge, extravagant gift, and uh, that must have made some noise going into that bucket, <laughs> being a huge necklace like that. That, that is really interesting um, because usually we, we, we think about it in the sense of of change and really little bits, but every little bit helps. Mm-hmm. But it is nice when people that have a little bit more give a little bit more. Yes, you know, if you have it, give it. You know, I, throughout this past Christmas season, one of the things that I kept hearing was that there were both shepherds and wise men who came to see Jesus. In, in fairly short order after his birth. The wise men a little while after the shepherds, of course. But in, and the thing is that they're kind of from the opposite spheres of influence. The really poor and the really rich. But they said the common thread was that they both came when they were called. Mm-hmm. And they both came with an expectation that something was going to radically change through what they are seeking. And so it's not about the amount given, but it's about the attitude of the heart. And so I thought that story was just a really good reminder of that, and I wanted to share it with you all. If you have any stories that you would like us to include in future Freeform Friday episodes, make sure, again, that you hit up that contact information at the end of the show, and we would love to share your tidbits with others. All right. This next clip that I'm going to share I know is going to stir up some controversy. Um, Tim Hawkins, in a recent 
um, in his most recent video, which he shared a clip with on YouTube, um, talked about this recent trend of atheists getting together and forming atheist churches. And he proceeds to envision what it would be like if the atheists started writing worship songs based on the worship songs that we use. Now, on one hand, this seems careless, and I can understand why people would be a little bit upset that he would do this. However, he is an equal opportunity, um, he, he's an equal opportunity, uh, joke maker. He makes jokes about himself and other Christians all the time. About everybody. <laughs> so, so I just see this kind of as an extension of that, and I hope that this really makes you think about what it might be like to be an atheist and that you would pray for them. Because really, this is just highlighting the, their reality, that they live with this supposed knowledge that there is no God, and how, how much greater it is that we not only know there is a God, but we have the opportunity to have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we listen to this clip, I just want you to keep that in mind, and I hope that as you enjoy it, you also will realize the truth. That's the one thing about comedy. There's always a nugget of truth in every bit of comedy that really brings it home. So here is Tim Hawkins on Atheist Worship Songs. This is a news story talking about the existence of atheist megachurches. I mean, what do you do there? Do you sing worship songs at an atheist church? What do you say? Like, shout to the void, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to nothing. What do you sing to? Man, do they have children's church at the atheist megachurch? What songs do you sing to kids at an atheist church? Like, no one loves the little children, all the children of the world. No one hears you when you cry, no one hears your lullaby. No one loves the little children of the world. Reason why, reason why we exist, but there's no reason why. Reason why, reason why we exist, but there's no reason why. A row, row, row your boat gently down the reef. Wallowing, 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 wallowing in your unbelief. Let's do the rounds. Remember the rounds? I'll, no, you don't want to do that. Okay. Let's try a new one. Evolution, this I know. For Charles Darwin told me so. Accidentally alive. If you're weak, you won't survive. <laughs> That's the logic, right? That's what they're saying. I am an A. I am an A-T. I am an A-T. H-E-I-S-T. And I have N-O-T-H-I-N-G to give me hope and certainty. And when I D-I-E, I will be A-L-O-N-E. Hey! All right, well, there you have it. Tim Hawkins with Atheist Worship Songs. And again, I will have a link in the show notes on the blog for that. Um, and definitely give your honest feedback. What do you think about that? Um, but the reason that I posted that was because I really do think it makes you think. And if you realize 
that this really is indeed what they believe. I mean, he's not he's not saying accusing them of believing something different than what they believe. They believe that there is no God, and so nothing matters. That's essentially what they believe. And he's just highlighting that through the use of comedy. And I, I hope that it makes us think. I hope that it does drive us to our knees um, and make us want to pray for those that we know of that might be atheists and even those who um, we're not sure about. See, one thing I would want to say as we end here is that I'm pretty persuaded that there aren't very many atheists. I think most atheists are anti-theists. They, they are atheists because if they choose to believe that there is a God, then they might have to be responsible to him and to what he says. And for a lot of us, the human nature part of us anyway, says that I don't want to be responsible to someone else for what I'm supposed to do. And so um, so we shirk that. And we, we, you, we have to come up with a reason not to obey. And so we come up with this idea that there is no God. But the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There is a God. He wants to know you personally. His son's name is Jesus Christ. He died for you. He rose again the third day so that you could have eternal life. My prayer is that if you don't already, that you would call upon him today and he will save you if you believe in him. If you have any questions about that or anything else that was covered in this Freeform Friday episode, inaugural Freeform Friday episode, yes. please make sure that you send any feedback, positive or negative, to the contact information that is about to roll. And... and, and Adam, do you have anything to say before we part ways for another week? Have a great weekend and kind of like free form Fridays a little bit. We'll be looking for more stuff to talk about one of these days. All right. And we will um, get better at this just as we have gotten better at other aspects of our show. Continue to listen. Continue to uphold us in prayer as we uh, put together more topics uh, in the coming year. We're very excited to continue to be here. Continue to bring you challenging, thought-provoking, sometimes controversial, but always grounded in truth, information, as we speak for him. My encouragement to you is to keep serving the best of masters and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.